Today's case will deal with the issue of mutuality of obligation. And this issue comes up when one party in the contract promises only to fulfill their side of the bargain based on some condition that is in his or her control. So for example, if I promise to paint your house next week and you promise to pay me $1,000 only if you felt like it, then the judge would have to address the issue of whether both sides of the contract are actually obligated to do anything. Okay, so let's go into today's case. Today's case is McMichael versus Price, and it took place in the Supreme Court of Oklahoma in 1936. And the purpose of this case is to find out what are the lower limits for what counts as being sufficiently bound in a contract. So let's jump into the facts. First, we have a guy named Price, and he's the guy who sells sand. Um, and he's been in this business of selling sand for some time. And then uh, there's another person named McMichael, and I'm going to call him the sand maker. And he supplies sand. Uh, so these, so I'm going to refer to him as the sand seller and the sand maker. So these two get into a contract with each other. And here are the terms of the contract. Sand seller uh, will purchase all the sand that he can sell to all his uh, purchasers from sand maker at 60% of the current market price for sand. So again, uh, Sandmaker, he's going to buy all his sand exclusively exclusively from Sandmaker uh, at a 6% market price. So they put this contract into place. Things went okay for about five months. And then about five months, Sandmaker refused to provide the sand to, uh, to Sandseller. And so Sandseller came back and sued for breach of contract because he wanted more sand from Sandmaker, and Sandmaker refused to provide it. Okay, so let's talk about the arguments. So Sandmaker wants to get out of this contract, uh, and he's saying that uh, this contract, it lacks mutuality of obligation. The reason he argues is that sand seller isn't actually bound to buy any sand from, from him. The reason is because um, uh, if sand seller wanted to, he could just refuse to buy any sand. And, and he wouldn't be liable for any breach of contract. Um, now, for Sand Seller's argument, um, I'm, I'm not going to go into his argument for two reasons. Uh, first, um, I have a two-year-old son who got a hold of my contracts book and he ripped out the McMichael versus Price case page. So I had to... Um, I actually had to get a lot of my information from other sources and I didn't take the time to go and figure out what sand seller argued, actually argued in the case. I just know how the judge ruled. Um, so yeah, we're not going to go into his argument, but also I think it's good to just look at sand maker's argument and address that head on. Um, so yeah, if you, uh, if you have the, um, if you have the pod talk app, you can go ahead and, uh, leave, say what your ruling is and leave a comment and tell me what you think. So let's talk about the ruling. The judge in this case ruled that this was a valid contract. And here's his reason. And here's, here's why he said that there was sufficient mutuality of obligation here. Sand seller, he said, was bound to actually, um, he, he, he was bound because he could only buy sand from sand maker, not any other sand supplier. So he was bound to refrain from his legal right 
to be able to buy sand from someone else. So there's something right there. And second, if sand seller were to refuse to buy the sand for his business, as Sandmaker uh, said he could hi- could have hypothetically done, if sand seller did that, then he would have gone out of business. And um, again, that that was pretty significant deal for uh, that was a pretty big deal for sand seller because he had been in the business for a while and he had been making profit for a while. So it was from the evidence it was clear that sand seller was putting something real at stake. Uh, that is his existing business. Uh, so all of that for, was sufficient for the judge to show that sand seller was sufficiently bound uh, under under the terms of this contract. Now, um, having said all that, I think there's an interesting question that comes up, and this I actually got this from the case book, and uh, I thought it was really good. I think the general question that you have to ask with regards to these cases is. What's the threshold for being sufficiently bound in a contract? Is even the slightest, sorry, is even the slightest uh, restriction on your freedom enough to count as being sufficiently bound in a contract? Uh, here's a good example from the case book. It said, what if Sand Seller wasn't actually in the business of selling sand? What if he never had any existing business when he made this contract? And instead, the contract was more like, hey, Sand Maker, uh, if I hypothet- if I the sand seller were to uh, hypothetically enter into the sand selling business this year, I contract with you to purchase uh, all the sand. I purchase from you all the sand that I plan to sell exclusively exclusively from you. So again, sand seller is not actually in the sand business. It's just a hypothetical scenario. Would that count as a real contract? Uh, is a sand seller sufficiently bound in that situation? Um. If you have any thoughts on that, go ahead and leave a comment in our pod talk group. Uh, I may leave my thoughts in there. We'll see. But, um, but yeah, that's it for this case. Hopefully you're starting to get a little bit of a feel for what the issue is with mutuality of obligation. And if you don't, please send in a question either uh, through pod talk, email, however you want to get in touch with me. Thank you for joining me. I'll see you next time.